The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, presented by MyBookie, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron, joined, as always, by my good friend, Eeny Meeny, my, uh, Nate. Nate, what's up, Nate? Hello, Aaron. It's me, your good friend, Nate, uh, a.k.a. Eeny Meeny. Um, what is up? Let's see. What's up? Well, we're in a global pandemic. Uh, just really been doing the same routine for about a year now. Uh, I'm drinking a, a seven up, you know, classic lemon lime flavored soda. Remember the short lived seven up spinoff energy drink DNL, Aaron? I do not. Uh, do not resuscitate. What does it stand for? <laughs> I don't think that it stood for anything. It's seven up upside down is the letters. DNL. Oh. I would show you that now, but I'd be afraid that I'll pour my seven up all over my nice desk here. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. yeah, I think maybe ahead of their time, the seven up folks with DNL, because if they got to the energy drink market now, you know, it might be popping off. Yeah, that's fair. Um, do, do you have dreams about um, <laughs> no. being places and like you don't have a mask on? I don't No. I have this dream. I don't know two, three times a week that I'm somewhere and I don't have a mask on and I'm like losing my fucking mind. Yeah, I guess I just have not uh, broached that level of panic about <laughs> catching it maybe is, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't go that many places and when I do, I wear a mask. So yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I do too. So I don't know why my brain does this to me, but it does. No recurring okay. dreams for me. I'm going to let you throw it to Mike now. Okay. Thanks, Nate. Uh, we're also joined by Mike Spears. Mike, do you have recurring dreams? I don't because I have to take medication to go to sleep. And therefore, when I fall asleep, I basically pass out for four to six hours before I wake up again. No. But hey, y'all. It's your old pal. Uh, also known as Eeny Me Mighty Mo. I'm, I'm Mighty Mo. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I just... I am such a type A person that I always have masks with me, so I never have that fear. Maybe my subconscious says, hey, Spears, you've got this. And maybe you just need to just overly prep like I do, and you won't have that reoccurring drink anymore, AB. I, I go places so rarely that the other day I went to uh, Walgreens and walked all the way to the door without a mask on. Luckily, someone had dropped a mask outside the door, and I was like, oh, fuck, I don't have a mask, and I had to go back to my car. And get one, but um, that was my closest call. 
I'm relieved that you didn't pick up that mask because oh, that's God, where I no. saw that going. I'm not a that's sicko. That's where I saw that going. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I, however, unlike you, I do remember DNL. It was very Ooh. short term. As someone who has drank too many energy drinks in my lifetime, to the extent that I started to notice that if both being jittery and that I was starting to having stomach pains, I remember DNL. That's probably also why I have to like take melatonin to go to sleep because of the amount of caffeine in my system. I, I, I'm in an endless uh, cycle. Yeah, this is the Mike's medical corner, top of the show here. We <laughs> through all of his various ailments. Oh, oh, that's only the start of it. I mean, we can get to allergies later. My mysterious allergy to just cashews. <laughs> You're missing out. I, cashews are good. I, I mean, it, it's. I mean, it's not my favorite nut. It's not even in like my top five. But whenever no, I try to eat, it wouldn't be my favorite nut either if I was allergic to it. <laughs> I mean, that's true. That is true. But yeah, no. Uh, trying to think of anything else I care to overshare about. Uh, no, <laughs> Aaron, it's your turn to overshare even more so than your. Uh, weird fear of being unmasked because apparently you go to places without having a mask on you uh i had the mask it was just in my car uh i just forgot about it um, it wasn't on your person no i don't keep it on my person i just leave it in my car did you guys know that dnl was the sponsored drink of lord of the rings the two towers <laughs> um no i did not know that i did recently not super recently but I noted in some recent letterbox review that I did, it was like, you know, the one thing I read about the movie was there was a special thanks credit in the in the credits for Reebok Smart Water or something. It's like, oh yeah, I remember when Reebok had a brand of <laughs> smart water or some nonsense. No, I don't. Well, it, um, it, they, they also were uh, apparently officially sponsoring or supporting major motion pictures. Apparently, DNL uh, was part of a strategy that also saw these sodas released, Pepsi Blue, Dr. Pepper uh, Red Fusion, and Vanilla Coke. Oh, oh wow. I remember okay. Pepsi Blue. Well, Vanilla I, Coke I, certainly I, stuck around for the long haul. Yeah. yeah I, I don't remember because, Red Fusion at all. Uh, I do. That I mean, I grew up in Dr. Pepper country, so like I would see that. Uh, Pepsi Blue, the thing I would used to do, and this tells you how much... I think motherfucker does is drink soda. He knows about every <laughs> soda. I, I used to, to be specific to his geographical area, area Aaron. Exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah, like, he's lived in like every area. So it's always, right. that's always so he's simultaneously claiming the whole country. I know. No, <laughs> I, I, I am not. I, I've never had a moxie before. So I can't, cl I've ne as I've never lived in the Northeast or New England. So yeah, no, that's made up uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Moxie's fake and New England's fake. I'm just going to throw it out there. Keurig Dr. Pepper is the name of the company. I'm learning so many things right now. Yeah. Hey, stuff consolidates, man. Man, what a world. Okay. Uh, well, if you want to know more about uh, the many places Mike has lived, follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, yeah. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, please, on the podcast app of your choice. Make sure you get these as soon as they come out. Uh, if you use the Apple Podcast app, give us a five star rating and a review. And if you want to support the show, the best ways to do so are one, patreon.com slash everything elite, subscribe Two, go to my bookie and use the promo code elite. All right, let's dive into it. We're going to talk about this week's episode of AEW Dynamite. And we will start off as is customary by playing a little elite or delete. Nate, got to tell you, bud, didn't didn't care much for this show. So I'm interested Mm. Uh, 
to hear what your favorite part of this particular episode was. Well, I got to tell you, kind of an unusual show because I think it was maybe less than the sum of its parts. It was hard for me to identify like specifically bad segments or, you know, a, a segment that really had an issue, a glaring issue to me. But for whatever reason, uh, and this seemed to be maybe the consensus, at least the consensus in our little, uh, you know, discord corner and court of the internet that it just wasn't a, wasn't a great show. Um, I think the one thing that really moved me and stuck out to me and like, <laughs> you know, rose above the baseline of like, I am in, you know, watching this wrestling program was uh, the joke in the first segment with John Silver getting on one knee, proposing to Adam Page and asking him to join the Dark Order and Adam Page declining to do so, uh, but then accidentally triggering the big celebration with uh, music and confetti and uh he said yes up on the Titan Tron, the Tony Tron. Uh, that really amused me and tickled me and was a rare instance of a, you know, intentional joke, intentional big concept joke in pro wrestling being perfectly timed and landing exactly as intended. Uh, so that was, you know, maybe the, the only thing that really stirred me while watching this program. Just the overall just package that they had starting off with singing happy birthday to negative one uh luther coming out and getting immediately angry and talking about his perfectly symmetrical face a fun tag match and then the uh, the blow off there was just it, it it was great like it was a you had good comedy good intentional comedy that didn't come off as hack or just like out of date and you know i had a I will get into this, but I think my opinion on the show drastically differs from, I think, very much everyone else on the internet. So I, I enjoy that segment, though. Well, good, because now the people who are like, ah, you guys are so negative. They'll be like, oh, at least they'll listen to Mike, maybe, and not uh, not complain at us as much for being negative. Uh, that was good. Here's my, here's my concern, though, Nate. Um, Adam Page turns down the Dark Order refuses to join the dark order and just kind of goes on with his life. And it's like this whole fucking build kind of sucks. It's like, well, it's just over. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think that might be in tune with our delete, uh, segment that's upcoming. Yes. Um, I think so. But yeah, you know, more, more, uh, moving deck chairs around the, uh, various stables and units in this company. Mike, you enjoyed this episode quite a bit, I'm well aware. So tell me what your favorite part of the show was. Quite a bit might be putting that a little strong. I'm just saying I now, like the show. Like, Mike, buddy, you got to go all in here. You got to commit to this. No, no, no. I I like it, but I'm not going to say this is like an all-time episode of television. But uh, yeah, the thing that I think I came away with liking the most on the show is just the overall performance of Sammy Guevara. I felt like that in this segment where... They had the inner circle sans Jericho. He kind of was the glue of it and actually like showed a level of pathos. And like, I can't, and like MJF winning everyone else over. And then MJF just desperately wanting to have Sammy's approval. We could say if it's completely him being, if he's being disingenuous or not. But then Sammy like saying, I, I can't do that yet. And then, you know, he was the glue in the main event. And I thought that it was a main event that really could have gone wrong in a lot of different ways but 
Sammy Guevara came off like a star. He came off as like a future babyface star, which is something that I think when we like looked at uh, his future, we didn't necessarily assume him as a big babyface star. But I mean, he was doing like the big. Uh, he was getting like the big crowd response in it. Everything he did was really sick. He did probably one of the best wonton bombs I've ever seen. And I thought that overall, if I was going to say who was the MVP of the show, I think it's a uh, head and shoulder Sammy Guevara over everyone else. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, in pretty much every Inner Circle segment and every Jericho segment, I definitely zone in on Sammy Guevara, and he's always the standout performer to me. He, uh, you know, he sells the the frustrated, the frustration, that's the worst, the word. He sells his frustration really well, but also, like, lands his jokes, uh, you know, considerably better than your Jericho's and even MJF's. Um, so I'm just, you know, I continue to be, impressed and satisfied with him and every segment that he goes out in. Uh, and yeah, that Swanton bomb was uh, kind of the redeeming, redeeming element of that match to me because uh, I got annoyed by the finish. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, you know, uh, has yet to really miss for me. Remember the concern that Sammy was being too goofy and it was just going to ruin him as a, as a performer. I, I, you know, I, I think that's a kind of like fair considering the rest of the inner circle has kind of fallen into that. So you could see how but Sammy not Sammy, maybe. Yeah, that's that the Sammy's performance because he keeps, you know, he's st stepping up to Jericho and stepping up to MJF and, you know, uh, not having any of that shit. I think uh, he's done a good job of insulating him from that. Yeah, it's just my my thing at the at the time. And I stand by this is that like Sammy needed to gain more things you know to become a more well-rounded performer if he's going to be like a big top star and i think he has grabbed a few things here maybe from chris jericho and maybe you know from other people they've interacted with that has allowed him to feel like even more of a of a star and you know i didn't really i saw other people complaining too about that finish nate but to me it's like as long as this blows off in sammy beating mjf in a singles match then that all makes sense and, and works for me. Uh, does that make it my turn to choose something I, so. I really like? Yep. Hmm. I, I got to say, the thing I had the most fun with, I mean, you already mentioned Luther, so that would have been my number one. But uh, my number two most fun moment was uh, the Moxley versus Nick Komoroto. Am I saying that right? Maybe. Matt? <laughs> Who knows? I think it's Camarado. At least Comorado. that's how they say it on. That, that's yeah. how they say it on commentary. Who knows if that's true or not? Yeah, fucked up language where letters don't always sound the same. They can just be said any fucking way. It just doesn't matter. Um, here's the thing. It's like very easily, you know, they did like a mox versus or mox is in action or whatever, which that usually means a squash. Then they bring out this guy who is uh, only only been seen on dark. So it's like, okay, well, I guess mox is just gonna beat the shit out of this guy but it's like this guy's really big he's got a really good look he's charismatic and uh so instead i have no idea if they have plans for this guy i would assume they have some sort of plan but instead they did like i don't know basically a 50 50 match that mox kind of had to hook up at the end to win and uh, i thought it didn't make mox look bad it wasn't a Allen angels type thing uh mox looked great nick camarado looked great uh just kind of a fun way to debut a new talent so i had a good time yeah, I was I was pretty impressed by this guy. Again, like there's not a segment on this show where I'm like, oh, that was bad. Like even I I kind of enjoyed this match in a vacuum and you know, uh zoned in on this guy. I was like, hey, you know, I would not mind 
seeing some more of this guy. He's like you said, got a good look and uh, you know, was laying stuff in there with Moxley and Moxley's facials kind of told the right story about, you know, where Camarado was relative to him uh, and enjoyed it in that regard. Um, ha- haven't seen this guy before. According to pro wrestling wiki uh, may have made evolve wrestling appearances. Had you ever seen before Aaron? Yeah, I watch dark every week. Okay. I meant outside of dark. No, I'd never seen it before dark. Okay. I don't remember any evolve wrestling appearances. Also, apparently he was in NXT. Yes, he, he was, was Mr. Beast. I just learned. Oh, okay. Mr. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me say that again. Mr. Freak Beast. <laughs> <laughs> Between August and September, Mr. Freak Beast, Nick Ogarelli joined the one and only Rick Bugs as a tag team <laughs> in matches during live events. I, you know, Rick Bugs is still there and they cut this guy. I don't get it. He's actually, I'm looking at his Twitter. He's still Mr. Freak Beast on here. And yes. he's got his, uh, his like banner at the top on his Twitter. It just says Freak Beast. And it's got this <laughs> insane, he looks insane in the picture here. Uh, Nicknames Wrecking Ball and The Freak Beast. <laughs> Team, teams and Stables. Shooters with a Z, Inc. With Billy Damiana. Shooters with a Z is like some shooters shitty, from <laughs> shitty bar in Tampa or whatever. Yeah, almost, th- almost certainly. Yeah, I, I'm certain that I've stopped into a bar in my life called Shooters. But this match rocked. Like Nick Camarado, each time I see him, I'm like, this guy is pretty solid, pretty solid. And it's like gets to like the crux of the issue of the absolute <laughs> shambles. And what's up, Nate? That's why I found his, his Evolve match. Okay. Let me let me verify this is... Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he had one Evolve match, 2017. It was Evolve 86 at Melrose Memorial Hall in Melrose, Massachusetts. He lost a two-minute squash to Blaster McMassive. I, I'm trying to think now. Did I see this? I mean, 86, you were doing the show, right? Yes, yeah, I guess I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have been him as a gatekeeper. Yeah, Blaster McMassive been... as the gatekeeper, Thomas Sharp. Thomas Sharp. Yeah. Two yeah, minute squash but... over Mr. Freak Beast. <laughs> Mr. Freak Beast, sadly. <laughs> uh, he rocks, though. And I like the idea of, as you said, AB, that they kind of inverted the idea of, because Moxley has like records for like the fastest pinfall in the promotion's history. And like the idea that this is a guy who is you know very physically impressive he definitely would be involved in the ward throw so i think that it's that that like the idea that like moxley had to kind of find the moment where he can just get him on his can get on his back and choke him out makes a lot of sense and i each time i see nick camarado on dark i'm like all right this guy rocks and hopefully you know this could be maybe he could be the will hobbs of 2021 now because of that and i'd be i'd be for it yeah, they've they've done a, which we've talked about this before. They've done a good job of taking people who you wouldn't necessarily see as a a prospect and just like making them into a person. I, I guess I'm not sure where it was, but Will Hobbs talked. I guess it was on the the fake AW podcast about um, he had a WWE tryout and they didn't offer him a deal. And then right after he showed up on Dynamite, they offered him a deal. It's like I got this Cubs fan tweeted about this, so that's how I knew about it. Um, it's like wow, that's like their whole their whole scouting thing. It's like oh, somebody shows up on AEW, let's throw them a deal, you know. 
Okay. Uh, I guess we'll talk about uh, the things we didn't like on the show now. But yes, I I suspect that it will be. Oh wait, I didn't do the listener uh, elite. Sorry, I always forget that, which is bad. Uh, our good friend Patrick Cosmos, uh, his elite pick, Don Callis in the painting Don Callis commissioned of Kenny and Don Callis. Hard to disagree. Yeah. I mean, even that like whole skit, it was basically a long form skit with a really, uh, you know, a, a manufactured excuse to get a camera in there, uh, you know, approaching like WWE shit levels. I didn't even hate that. Like I kind of enjoyed elements of that, but yeah, the, the, some of the, the, some of the parts on this show, um, it was just didn't, didn't, didn't get me going. I, I thought it rocked. I thought that the sketch and I thought that him with like that painting, it's like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. I thought that that was a great reaction and I got a, a good laugh out of that. All right, well, let's talk about what we didn't like and then Mike will uh, defend the show against uh, mine and Nate's uh, criticisms. So, uh, so, Nate, so what... how about y'all go first and I'll refute? Yeah, um... I mean, it'd be hard to refute it before we, before we complain about it. <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, I, I, what you have written here, Aaron, is the view never changes. Uh, of yes. course, a Dusty Rhodes quote by way of Cody Rhodes. Uh, and yeah, we, you know, we brought this up, I think, on last week's show that, or maybe even the show prior, uh, a lot of the stories that are playing out in this company are, you know, what is this guy's allegiance to this faction and this group of people? And this guy's joining this faction, this guy's leaving this faction. Uh, and, it, you know, it's a lot of moving check chairs around with no real forward momentum on them. Um, that problem is at its worst, I think, in the Team Taz versus Darby and Sting story, which, you know, uh, I think we've come on here maybe five weeks in a row and said they just keep running this same fucking segment over and over again where either Sting's out there and Team Taz comes out and Darby comes out and they just keep running it back. Uh, and it was perhaps most egregious last night when Sting wanted to make his appearance to literally repeat two things to Darby that he's already said. Hey, you remind me of me. And hey, congratulations on winning that belt two months ago. Uh, and that was the setup for the Team Taz appearance. Uh, and again, just nothing to sink your teeth into there. Nothing, you know, that excites you or moves you in any real way. Just running through the same script again. Uh, and that's kind of the the pattern that we're in with a lot of these stories, or a lot of these stories just kind of feel like the same thing with different wrestlers interchangeable. Yeah, I'll jump in before before Mike uh, tells us why we're wrong. But it's like, yeah, nothing. I mean, I don't think Mike's going to disagree with this larger point. I think no, he's not. He's just going to say he had a good time watching the show. That's good. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't I don't want to steal Mike's uh, thunder. Uh, but yeah, it's like. Nothing was different after the show than it was at the beginning of the show. And I know that, you you know, you don't want to do car crash TV where it's just like constant uh, crazy stuff. But we're also, you know, five weeks or so away from their big pay-per-view. We're like two weeks away from this uh, beach break show that they've been hyping. And there's like nothing that I'm dying to see on on either of those shows. Like, oh, I can't wait for this to get paid off. Uh, they didn't do anything here to to get us any closer. Well, it's also none of these stories have really succeeded in elevating anyone or making a real change in anyone's character. Like 
You want to point to the person that's been elevated in this promotion recently. I think probably Darby is the go-to guy for that because he won a title that he didn't have before. But even that, prior to the story, he got the match out of the blue with no real build or uh, you know sustained elevation. And then he won it, and then he got to this story where nothing happens and he doesn't do anything. Um, you know, MJF had the the you know the story where he was the main guy against John Moxley, and then gets into this other circular thing with the inner circle, and just feels like it's not. This is not elevating MJF's level. This is not making him a bigger star in any way. It's just kind of guys doing stuff to do stuff. You know, it just feels like a lot of these things are kind of little holding pattern stories. Okay. So first and foremost, why was my enjoyment seen to be higher? I identified basically immediately looking at the calendar saying, Oh, this is going to be a stall episode. And this was a stall episode. And I think that we're all in agreement. There was some stuff though, that Aaron, you, you raised the point that, Nothing changed on the show. I completely begged differ. We had a resolution with Hangman and and the Dark Order. Of course, then they, we could have the Dark Order like not giving up and constantly be going towards it there. So we had there. Uh, we finally have something with that with Sting coming out of this. Yes, did it take five weeks? But yes, we we do have something that's changed there. The whole gosh darn women women eliminator tournament got announced, and that gives us a clear direction for the next five weeks for the uh, women's division and. You, you like look at like John Moxley coming back, having his first match since losing the title in December. That's a big moment, and that changes things because he's, yeah, yes, he does do his very similar raw, raw. I'm the face ace. I love, I love this shit, as he has said a lot. But you, you had that as well, and then the inner circle stuff. Like that is something where I am a complete agreement. It does seem like this is like a cycle where we all were anticipating like. Wasn't it said that the first time that something else goes wrong and that the, the inner circle was over like that? I do completely agree with it, but I think what the reason why I enjoy this episode more, and I think that's more my perspective towards it is as soon as I suss this out as like, Oh, this is a holding pattern show. I immediately like adjusted my expectations and the promotion that's terrible about managing expectations. Guess what? You know why I'm not let down? I manage my own expectations. And in doing so, I was like, all right. So, like, looking at this, like, the only match I thought that was underwhelming on the show was the trios with Hardy Party versus Matt Seidel and Top Flight. And then, really, like, the Eddie and Lance Archer segment, we had progression there. The Callus stuff, like, I find Callus very interesting. So, like, that is kind of compelling for me. And then I thought Penelope Ford and Layla Hirsch had a really strong match and then kind of thrown into that situation with Nyla Rose quarantining and then... You know, uh, it, it, it's something where, like, there's some things on the show that I outright disliked, like the whole FTR dress expressing. Like, they could just, I'm done. I, I'm done with most of the people in that unit other than when Jungle Boy comes out to Baltimore. So I, I understand the frustration here, and I think that it is something that I know I've come on the show and said, we are so many weeks away from this pay-per-view. What are you doing each week? Well, we have a pay-per-view match. Like, we have at least three matches on paper they're not completely filled in because we don't know who's challenging for the tag team belts or who is challenging who we assume to be Hikaru Shida for the win women's world title it's just something that yeah I maybe it is that like when I like in the moment I totally understand that but like taking a step back I don't know if this was as much of a holding pattern show as we thought it was maybe it's just things that didn't like like have the implied effect 
Yeah, I can't really disagree with anything you said. Like I said, I even, uh, you know, I thought most of the segments were like executed pretty fine to even some of them being pretty good. But yeah, the the, the page thing in the Dark Order, like I'm pretty sure you've seen that before where they've tried to have him join the Dark Order and he said no. And then we're just back doing it again. And the Taz, the Taz and Sting thing at least has now progressed to the point of a match, but they did not hit that match very hard on television. They announced that it's going to be a street fight now on Twitter. But on television, I was kind of like, okay, they're 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 going to do a match. Is Sting in the match? Is Sting wrestling here? Is that what's happening? Like, if they had punched that and hit that home on the television show, and Sting would be like, I will fucking see you there with a baseball bat. Uh, I'll see you in the ring. I'll see you backstage. I'm going to be fucking fighting. If they if they'd hammered that home and underlined it, I think it would have been, uh, you know, landed as a, a much more important segment to me. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. You know, I thought, uh, I, I don't understand why Penelope Ford isn't on this show twice a month, uh, instead of once every three months. Um, so yeah, it's just a weird, weird kind of like overall malaise that infected this show, even though the individual segments weren't, weren't really problems to me. A good way to get out of your personal malaise is to bet on sports, baby. Go to my bookie, use the promo code elite. You'll get double your deposit up to $1,000. So uh, it's a good way to get some free money to play with over at MyBookie. It's, of course, the time when divisions are decided, champions are crowned, and legends are born. It's time for the NFL playoffs. I think those are still going on. Pretty sure that's true. Very much so, yes. Haven't gotten to the Super Bowl yet. I haven't heard people talking about the commercials yet, so we're not there. So uh, you got plenty of that to bet on. Or... You can just do what your old pal, I'm sorry, that's Mike's phrase. You can just do what uh, podcasting's true heart, AB does, and that's <laughs> fade Kentucky basketball. Just fade them. And so two, how's that going for you? It's going great. I am uh, getting rich off of uh, my misery, and uh, <laughs> that's nice. Uh, I have the great thing about uh, Kentucky being just fucking awful this year is it's the first thing I've acknowledged for years that I am too invested in Kentucky basketball and I've wanted to be able to stop myself from being so invested. Uh, Them going like four and nine or whatever the fuck they are has turned me into a casual fan. I turned off after the first half and just switched to dynamite. Uh, So that was nice. But uh, our friends at my bookie have not caught up with how bad Kentucky is yet. Had them favored in the game against Georgia last night. Uh, A very poor choice. And uh, if you're if you're following along with my picks, you would have known. So head over to my bookie. Uh, NBA still going on. There's plenty of college, of course. Uh, there was UFC this past weekend, so plenty of good stuff there, to bet on. There was UFC yesterday. That's right. On inauguration day. That's right. So just use the promo code Elite. Uh, they have a, a variety of ways to deposit instantly, including credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin, baby, and more. So head over to my bookie, use the promo code elite. We have uh, some incomplete ratings, uh, Mike, and I'm sure you'll tell us, well, it's due to MLK day. I guess I don't have to tease that. I can just tell you. That's <laughs> why. Uh, but uh, Wade Keller had some of the, the insides ask questions again. Uh, AEW took a, a big jump up to 854,000. Uh, we don't know what that was in the demo, but they did post a 0.36. So that would be uh, up again. Uh, NXT also jumped pretty high, up to a 659. 
Um, we don't know where they were in the demo, but they posted a 0.15. Yeah, so because of MLK Day, the usual source of ratings for everyone, basically, Showbuzz Daily is on a staggered schedule. Somehow, Wade Keller of the Pro Wrestling Torch has inside info. I don't, I don't think he subscribed to a rating book because those are expensive as crap. But um, he had he had this out here. Uh, the, you, you know, I know like last week, we, because of how Wednesdays have been lately, that we were all anticipating like, oh, the inauguration that's going to completely wash the, everyone out. Um, nothing happened. And the only people who ended up watching like the inaugural ball are like West Wing weirdos. So people are this. And the rest of TV, I believe, was pretty weak. I think everyone kind of begged off. Like, I don't even know if the challenge was on last night. But, like, the interesting thing that, again, a hat tip to Wade Keller that he pointed out was in the 18 to 49 male demographic, AEW had a .49 versus NXT's .18. And then I think this is a typo, but he said it was 18 to 34. Usually that sub-demo is 12 to 34. AEW was a .24 versus NXT's .7. So for for all the issues and misgivings we had in the show like people did not turn off and if anything it seems like that people kind of stuck on or maybe they watched the movie tag and decided to stick around yeah i I mean i was a little surprised but you're right who on earth watches uh the like the prime time inauguration stuff that's uh that's psycho shit just straight up Sorry to any of our listeners who've watched that, <laughs> but that's for psychos. Well, you know, the draw was the new radicals, and that happened at like 2 p.m. or something. So come on. Yeah, I didn't even get primetime billing. No, and they also, you know, cut out like the first verse of the song, and they also cut out the part where it's like, health insurance rates are flying. <laughs> oh, and, you know, okay. the part where he says he's going to kick Marilyn Manson's ass. So they basically cut out all the good parts of the song, but it was still, you know, kind of cute and sweet. I mean, the, I mean, the first part, the first uh, stanza is literally about a 14-year-old down on their knees. So, <laughs> so polite. We're busy still saying please. That's right. Wow, big new I'm radical just... fan, uh, Nate A.K.A. Epitasis. Yeah, the one, the one song. <laughs> <laughs> I I just love the fact the, the fact that like this probably tells you about how bad my music tastes were growing up. I only knew the song because it was on the infomercials for like that, like hits of the 2000s CD. The like buzz? this did not. Yeah. The buzz. Yes. That's it. Exactly. I did. I, the buzz might've been I, one, one, one phase earlier. Um, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Because it was like that. It was fastball the road. You, the way. You know, like, why is it the, yeah, the, I, I'm not going to acknowledge the, the way Johnny Gargano has ruined that. It's the way. But yeah, no. Walking. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna do a uh, I'm gonna do a music podcast with uh, with Mike sometime where I just like do a playlist of songs that he missed in his youth because he was too busy <laughs> doing God fucking knows what. <laughs> <laughs> I I I mean like I have a rich tapestry of life that has resulted in me being in absolute shambles of a person. So I think that I'm, there is some just, mileage there. For I've been obsessed with music for just as long as I can remember. So it just blows my mind for somebody to just have a time in their life where they are just not interested in music at all. That's hard for me. It to happens understand. a lot to me though. It wasn't just like one phase of my life. Like I, I'm trying to think like other than the acts I follow, it's not like I'm someone that I'll boot up like the release Monday stuff on Spotify. Uh, so that's maybe the best uh, 
best new addition in technology, you know, technology has pretty much been a net negative, I think, for most of our lives in terms of, uh, you know, decaying society and everything. The release radar playlist on Spotify, we're just like, hey, you like these acts. Here's new music from them coming out every week. And you don't have to, like, follow your own, uh, you know, track what CDs are coming out week to week and go to Best Buy on a Tuesday to buy them anymore. Uh, it's really one of the few ways that technology has improved my life. Yeah, I used to, when I was like really into hardcore metal, I was in this uh, IRC channel. Oh, wow. <laughs> where people were like constantly posting the newest stuff. And I would download literally anything. Like I had to have it, you know, and, and listen to it. Like, oh yeah, I'm really into this new whatever, you know, think of some really, uh, some band no one uh, knows. Uh, and, it's going to be hard. Feel- <laughs> Warbringer. Yeah, sure. That's a good. That's a good metal hardcore band name. Yeah, the, the, it's a real band. Uh, oh, okay. The, I didn't know. I'm out of that scene now. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I just realized I forgot to do the list Also, oh my god, uh, I'm doing oh, a double, I'm doing a double, double feature. Uh, Patrick Cosmos also getting the delete. Uh, Jericho, please do not lie and salt ever again. <laughs> yeah, that he's, was so he's funny. He's got to go. Yeah. I mean, if. In the sliding door universe where COVID wasn't a thing, we would not have had so much Chris Jericho over the last six months because he would have gone and, you know, done his his Fozzie tours. And actually, I feel like last week would have been when they would have been on the Jericho cruise. Like, everyone completely forgot that they were going to be back on the Jericho cruise this year. Right. For obvious reasons. (laughs) There's nothing funnier to me than for obvious reasons. (laughs) Because I always think about uh, that 9-11 joke that you guys know that I won't uh, put on the listeners. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from Arena Club. Com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, 
Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Now I don't know what's happening anymore. <laughs> let's, let's, let's move on. Let's, all right. Uh, let's run down the show. Dark Order is out with negative one for his birthday celebration. I think we talked about this. Uh, the John Silver, um, Adam Page thing. But before that, uh, the Chaos Project broke up the birthday celebration. Uh, Luther said that uh, Negative One is actually the stupid-looking one, and the Chaos Project does not like children. <laughs> Just great. Yeah, standout line from Luther. So I don't like children. Funny. I don't like you. Uh, and they had a match. John Silver, Alex Reynolds, Hangman Page, and Colt Cabana defeated the Chaos Project and TH2. Alex Reynolds pinned Serpentico after Page... Let me make sure I got this right. Page hit the buckshot lariat on Serpentico, which... He was being held by John Silver. That turned into a German suplex from Silver into a pinfall from Alex Reynolds. Yep. Yep, a jackknife out of it. Yeah, there you go. I love this. Um, uh, throughout this show also, like, there were, like, a little... You don't see a ton of botches in this company, but there were a bunch of, like, little, you know, uh, hiccups. Like, just like Adam Page, like, almost eating shit on his kip-up. That, that kind of thing was, like, throughout this show. And just another thing that I was like, oh, you know... This is not firing in all cylinders for me. During the match, Luther tried to powerbomb Colt through the birthday cake, but negative one hit him with a kendo stick, and then Cabana put Luther through the cake in the table. Very funny scene as Luther kind of didn't go into the cake, and he's like, fuck, I got to get my face into this cake. <laughs> Great save. <laughs> yeah, I guess he was trying not to maybe break the whole table, but so he consequently was like well short of the cake. But we did get a great line where Excalibur was like, oh, now his face isn't so symmetrical because, of course, <laughs> Luther has the most symmetrical face in wrestling. He does. Okay, uh, yeah, then the, the thing with Paige and uh, the Dark Order came after that. Uh, and Paige, he said no. Big heel uh, now. <laughs> Did not crowd really desperately wanted him in that in that unit. Yes. Alex Marvez was with Jericho and MJF. MJF says the last thing he wants to see is dissension in the inner circle. Ask Jericho if he's worried about that happening tonight. Jericho is not because he says they've all made a pact. No matter who wins, they have a deal. They'll move on together like a unit. The big unit. Randy Johnson was on the show. Yes. Yes, he was. Uh, Sting so and Darby. We didn't have a bird. We didn't have a bird get exploded. I didn't notice. We did not. Uh, Sting and Darby are out with Tony. Yeah, we've talked about this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just you know the same thing happened, except Team Taz suggested maybe they should fight, and then Darby said, "Be careful what you wish for." That was really it. Yeah, I just would have landed more if Sting was like, "Okay, I'm going to fight you." Be excited, viewing audience, because I have not wrestled in a very long time, and I'm going to be involved instead of just like, oh yeah, Sting's in the match on Twitter, whatever. Right, that should that's like a big draw, right? It's like if you want, is it the point to see yeah. Sting in a match? 
I mean, Darby like didn't even agree to the challenge. Really, it was like a well, you might just get it. It's like okay, so we're really this is really not even the progression. The progression happened on Twitter. I, I mean, Darby only got what he gave. You only get what you give, Aaron. <laughs> I've heard that. Uh, the, the thing about this that was great was like they gave the microphone to Ricky Starks, and he was basically inaudible but he was like oh you want to take you to the streets i'll tell you what the streets are and then taz is like street style which you know i just like the idea that taz now in his 50s is talking about taking to the streets it really reminds me of danny devito on always sunny with philadelphia like his concept of taking it to the streets should be drastically different than everyone else's i want to see hook's concept of taking it to the streets because he's you know some prep school lacrosse player but he's, you know, the youngest guy out there, and, and and by virtue of that, should act like he has the most street credibility. Take it to the streets of Donetsk and uh, PUBG. That's his idea, taking it to the streets. You know, uh, Adam Page, I really, I think we could call him a frenemy. He's not really, he's, when you're down, he's not your friend. I, is that a reference? <laughs> that was, I knew what the reference was too. I was just waiting to see if if Nate wasn't going to go along with it. I was going to sit out too because I wanted that silence, which is staying in the cut, by the way. Yeah, it's a, this is another you get what you give line. <laughs> oh, okay. I missed it. It is a car promotion, so they certainly could smash. I mean, they the don't say frenemy in the song. They do. No way. Yes. Okay. I didn't think, I, I feel like frenemy came out well after that. No, they invented it. Hmm. Wow. Another another uh, feather in their cap, I guess. It is a feather, feather in their weird cap that the dude was wearing. It was like a bucket hat almost. Feather they in their were truly hat. radicals. Uh, earlier today, earlier yesterday, I suppose, a meeting between the Young Bucks and the Elite. Uh, the Bucks are going to Kenny's house. Nakazawa-san greets them. Uh, they walk in. There's the painting that we referred to. Kenny and Cal is shirtless. Uh, and basically... Callus is trying to, you know, explain away what happened last week. Tells him Kenny's not going to be there. You know, we learn that Kenny's not really answering the Bucks' phone calls. Callus tries to give them a check to buy out their friendship with uh, Kenny, and then uh, an extra, an extra check uh, for their part of birch sales. Which, you know, I don't know if that was a reference to anything, but got some discourse. Yes. Uh, and the Bucks say, we used to work for Impact, so we know that these checks are no good. And they tear them up, and then I believe we are to assume they uh, beat him up after that. Yeah, I really, uh, I like Don Callis. Don Callis still, uh, uh, myself and Cara talked about on the Patreon this week about how Don Callis just has an old school manager uh, sensibility that even the other managers in this company don't really have. Because, you know, a, a guy like Taz never was a manager that was out. Uh, you know, talking people into buildings. He was always a wrestler that became a commentator. But Callis uh, uh, just has a great back and forth and a natural way about him that makes all of his segments uh, pretty good and really, really makes the Kenny Omega heel act work. Um, so, yeah, that's why. So, this overcame what could have been like, oh, fucking WWE skit. They're going to go act out their relationship uh, in a beach house or whatever. Uh, but because of Callis, uh, I just found the like, very convoluted way they got a camera into the building and it's just kind of all kind of charming. Yeah, Kyle's is great. I mean, he he is like this unique kind of weirdo that is very compelling and it's just like very sleazy in a way that he plays it off in a right 
the right kind of way. Uh, the idea, the thing that cracked me up about the segment also is the idea that there was like a random elevator that Michael Nakazawa came out of just start for no good reason whatsoever. Like he comes out of an elevator with a laptop open. And, you know, it's just like the little things in this segment crack me up. Um, I don't really like it. Uh, not least of which, because the point of somebody like him is that we want to see him get his comeuppance. And not only do we literally not see it happen, but the Bucks have apparently already gotten physical with him. So what is there to see in the payoff? You're being worked. This is something where very clearly he's trying to sow discord. You're being worked. No, I mean, the point is he's the bad guy. The audience wants to see him get his ass kicked, and they hid the ass kicking here. Um, yeah, I don't think he got his ass kicked. I thought I feel like it was oh. like a work. Yeah, that makes sense. But we are to believe. I mean, what they showed us was that they were approaching him, in, encroaching on him as the camera cut away. I mean, well, what do we think they did? Away. Like tiddlywinks, Mike. I think he shouted and like there might have been like some like stomping out that was picked up on the camera microphone and then the idea was that then John Don Callis was like oh I know how to get Kenny completely more isolated and under my thumb with like my impact wrestlers I'm gonna I'm gonna put on some stage makeup and I feel like I got my ass kicked okay it's not the not the worst idea that's kind of, that's an interesting place they could take it just remember episode 108 is when I called this if this happens I will not remember that It'll be like, yeah, I think Aaron called that on the show. If I remember <laughs> uh, Cody defeated pretty Peter Avalon with the figure four. Uh, Peter Avalon tapped because Cody was hitting him in the face. So he uh, didn't want to uh, withstand that. Uh, during the match, Jade Cargo came out and distracted Cody and allowed Peter Avalon to hit him with a low blow. Yep, that feud's still continuing. The WWE distraction <laughs> angle. Whoa. Oh, but just I mean, wait, because next week Cody's going to respond to Shaq somehow. Everybody just wants to see Cody versus Jade, I think. Oh, that'd be sick. Yeah. I hope Jade's good. <laughs> supposedly. Supposedly, like, she's pretty. I mean, the, the thing about this match for me, I guess Mike's defense corner, Peter Avalon's character is excellent, and the idea that he tapped out instead of getting hit in the face is perfect. And I thought this match was a very complimentary TV match. Yeah, uh, according, according to our friends at Genius, You Only Get What You Give is actually the first song known to use the portmanteau. Friend wow, of. there you go. You were right. So it's good. feels good. Uh, Tully Aaron got that him. right. Andy got that thing with Don Callis making the injury right. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Tully is with FTR. He says the ratings just came out. I assume he meant the rankings. And FTR is number one. Uh, but we need the belts. Jurassic Express comes out. Jungle Boy says he's getting sick of this. You're supposed to be the best tag team in the world. Uh, but when I was in there with you, it taught me something about myself that I could beat either one of you. Dax, he doesn't like that, folks. He doesn't appreciate that comment. I think they're going to have a wrestling match. Uh, and Luchasaurus says he's going to make sure no one else gets involved. John Moxley defeated Nick Camarado with a rear naked choke. Uh, Mox then cut his big bad promo where he says he can't keep track of who's in the Bullet Club, who's in the Elite, and who's in Impact Wrestling. Uh, he talks about Kenny bringing his frat brothers back from Impact. Uh, and he said, all you did was make it more interesting, more bodies, bigger bros, more blood. Uh, and then he says, you can bring whoever you want, but all roads of professional wrestling go through me. 
I do find it very amusing that John Moxley has been like semi feuding with Kenta, who is in the Bullet Club, for the better part of a year at this point. It's got to be at least six months, and has at no point mentioned the Bullet Club until now when he's feuding with another uh, splinter of the Bullet Club in a completely unrelated angle. And those uh, two factions of the Bullet Club uh, do not see eye to eye. So this guy's really fighting a war on two fronts, but. Uh, is entirely isolated from one. It's pretty weird pro wrestling situation, all things considered. Uh, Dasha is with Eddie Kingston and company. Uh, she tells him he's going to face Lance Archer next week. Asked if he's prepared. He says, I don't prepare. I just fight. And then Lance Archer comes out uh, and he says, it's a simple message. Everybody dies. Then they start yelling at each other about fighting. I couldn't really make out anything. Either of them was saying uh, Jake Roberts has gotten a haircut uh, and was mad and yelling. Yeah, I, I messed that up. Uh, let me mark time on that, and then I'll give my actual response up. And it was it, it's such a dumb bit. Um, I think they should let Butcher vape on air. <laughs> that that was not worth it. This is worth digging into. <laughs> I mean, it fits their vibe, you know? They should let him vape on air. But he has to have a... Um, like a custom vape rig that looks really ridiculous and suits his character. Got to be like Absolutely. some old timey pipe or something, but actually a vape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be insane. But let let the let butcher vape. That's all I had to say. And and with my overly complicated setup, it took me like a full thirty seconds to be able to say that. And you know, great audio. <laughs> uh, Marvez catches Kenny coming in. He has no comment about what happened uh, with the Bucks last week. I see Callis in the locker room, the bruised face, uh, which I talked about earlier, probably being fake, you know, a setup. Uh, Kenny wants to know who did this to him. <laughs> I won't say. Uh, he blurts out that the Young Bucks did it. <laughs> that was even that, like, that's a level of acting that most other pro wrestlers aren't able to do. Callis, like, inadvertently saying that it was the Young Bucks. Just like execution that, you know, uh, to pick somebody out of a hat, Dax Harwood would not be able to pull off. Uh, no. Matt Hardy and Private Party defeated Matt Seidel and Top Flight. Uh, Mark Quinn pinned Dante with a shooting star press after Isaiah hit Dante with a chair. Uh, so we got the full um, Private Party heel turn, which I can't say I understand because the story has been about how Matt Hardy's fucking them over. And then somehow that morphed into actually, no, they're going to go along with Matt Hardy's heel shenanigans yeah i uh, i think kevin's fan had it right on twitter when he said it's better that they just turn heel than keep doing this will they won't they stuff that they're doing in every other story so sure. i don't think he's wrong about that uh i also i kind of like this match um i you know private party and top flight are maybe kind of foils of each other so maybe it's appropriate that private party's like hey we were here first you guys came along and kind of ate our lunch in the last couple months uh, you know, maybe that's good motivation for them wanting to listen to Hardy and just become full-blown heels instead. But yeah, you know, <laughs> all things considered, I like that this show did have some fresh talent up and down that we don't see every week. Your Nick Camarados and your pretty Peter Avalons. Uh, and Matt Hardy has to be not only on Dark, not only on BTE, not only on Dynamite, but also on Impact Wrestling. Uh, but even even with that in mind and that, um, you know, maybe we could just see less of him. I saw that this was pretty good. Okay, after that, MJF and Wardlow were backstage to talk to the rest of the inner circle, uh, sans Jericho, 
MGF says that if it were up to him tonight, the match wouldn't be happening. But Chris is the leader. And what he says goes. Uh, Sammy says, if he, I had it my way, a lot of things would be happening. Gets an MG, MGF's. Fuck MJF. 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 Gets in his face. MGF says he loves these guys and Sammy. Respects Sammy because he's not afraid to speak his mind. But he's not a sociopath. He wants what's best for the group. Uh, so let's just get this match out of the way and finish this. I thought Sammy was great here. You know, I felt like that this was another part where I thought he was the best part of the show. And then we had the customary 930 women's match as Penelope Ford defeated Layla Hirsch with a pump kick while Kip held down Layla's leg. Oh, yeah. I want to delete Jim Ross also. Um, <laughs> first fucking thing he says, <laughs> like, if you're wondering, she's four foot 11 and then just makes no effort to like spin that into a positive or a unique factor for Layla Hirsch. It's like, wow, this woman is short. And just lets it sit there until Excalibur comes along and tries to pick up the pieces. Uh, I know there was a clip going around on Twitter, too, of uh, in the previous match when Private Party did the silly string. And Jim Ross, who apparently has no fucking idea what the silly string is, even though he's been doing this company for more than a year, um, is like, how do you counter that? What the fuck is going on? I have no idea. Makes no effort to, like, turn it into a way to get these guys over or, you know, set them apart as distinctive anyway. Just like, yeah, this newfangled stuff sure doesn't make much sense, does it? Um, yeah, stinks. Go away. Uh, this match was good, though. Uh, yeah, this match was fun. good. Uh, the I, I thought Penelope getting the heat on Layla was, um, you know, she's just got like a good mean girl energy. Uh, that worked. They they got a little discombobulated, I think, just as they were coming out of the ad break, but I think most people probably missed that. Uh, and I, I the the Kip and, and Miro stuff and Chuck Taylor stuff that we'll talk about, I maybe. Maybe should have picked that as my elite because uh, Miro, you know, is a superstar. Superstar Miro, like, geez, comes out in a great Gucci tracksuit, and Chuck Taylor is playing the very hesitant person who does not want to be here because he has to fill the obligations and has to do what he does after the match. That's gonna be such a great payoff in a few weeks. Like, I feel like that this was like an, like, like this was something that I know, like everyone would want to like Chuck Taylor to say like, no, screw you. Uh, or you're still my best friend, but no, it, it's going to have like a even bigger reaction for when he finally tosses off the, uh, the Butler's tuxedo and, and, and attacks, uh, Kip and uh, Miro and ruins the wedding. Pretty inspired performance. I thought by Chuck here, uh, really drawing on, uh, disgraced Liberian leader, Charles Taylor. Uh, I know, you know, he did war crimes. I'm not sure how Chuck plans to bring those war crimes into part of his character, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. That's for sure. No, nobody wants to touch that. I was going to say, uh, it's maybe poor taste to do the blackface, uh, but <laughs> oh, <fuck. yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> then I decided not to say it. <laughs> yeah, good thing I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to make a reference to how, as a Chikara alumnus, he has experience with dealing with people who have had committed <laughs> war crimes. So, yeah. That's also true. Uh, shouts to somebody reminded me of that uh, Drake in our Discord for reminding me that uh, about the Liberian Charles Taylor. So I could do that bit that honestly paid off. So I'm glad it all worked out. <laughs> 
Uh, backstage, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers are beating up Pentagon with Kenny's very nice boots. And uh, we've shouted out Cubs fan way too many times on this episode. Going to have to institute a Cubs fan uh, prohibition. While, while we're talking about I was going to leave it, but now that we've brought him up a third time, did he subtweet the Dark podcast the other day? Did he? He made a comment about how he needs a podcast that just discusses AEW Dark. And I was like, hmm, thought we had one of those. Well, we don't talk that much about AEW Dark, to be honest, <laughs> on the show. I, I mean, do we need that? Do we need it to be a three hour long podcast? Because that's what it would end up being if we do it that way. And that, yeah. I think you said about 45 minutes would be a sweet spot. Well, most weeks it is 45 minutes. But it's mostly us talking about. I, I didn't mean to, uh, to to break this on you on the show here and now. <laughs> oh, oh, I saw it. I just didn't. I I just didn't uh, acknowledge. I'm seeing it now. If AEW people in charge are going to keep doing podcasts, then the important one I need is like a 45 minute chat exclusively about Dark. Okay, Cubs fan, <laughs> we know you subscribe to the Patreon. We're we're well aware of that. Uh, we do a show called AEW Light every Wednesday where we discuss dark. It is not exclusively about dark for sure, but do, does anyone other than Oakgan really want a breakdown of every dark match? Yes. Yes. Th th this is not a, I don't know why we're doing a production meeting right now, but yes, yes. No, I've, I've I have heard this before. Oakgan has also vocalized. I think that he wants to hear more about the matches. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yes. I, I keep, uh, maybe. Oh, uh, hey, I would listen to a Cubs fan and Oakgan show. Just going to put that out there. Oh, wow. Wait, I was, should we just ask Cubs fan if he wants to do a podcast about Dark on the Patreon? Well, now that you've uh, uh, put it out on the show, I guess I have to say yes, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I don't think that's a good idea, Aaron. Uh, let me go into it. That's funny. Um, okay. But here's what I was going to say about Cubs fan. I did not realize this was a fake Pentagon until <laughs> his tweet told me. Should I have? Yeah. Was it that obvious? Wait, that was fake. That wasn't Penta. No, was Penta I yeah. did not know that. I did have an yeah. inkling. I had an inkling because you, you know, they didn't show enough of it where it was like, you don't shy away from showing the full face and stuff of Pentagon unless there is some reason to do so. So I was like, hmm, that's weird that we only saw him from the side for that brief moment. Wow. I did not notice that last night. This is actually changes a lot of my opinions on the show. I think I like that even more, the fact they had a fake Pentagon and because Penta wasn't there. Well, it's a nice little solution for the six-man that they set up, which is like, hey, Pentagon can't be there. Also, we need to have something happen for this to make sense because the Luge Brothers randomly got involved in this angle last week. So, you know, it was a nice little solution. Uh, yeah, they put up a graphic for a, a women's eliminator tournament. Uh, a lot of buzz immediately about this because the graphic had an so it's a 16 woman tournament and the graphic had an american flag on one side and a japanese flag on the other side uh you know leading many people to believe that there will just be a japanese half of this tournament well emmy sakura uh tweeted that she would be involved so that seems oh, really yeah i just and i was just checking to see if riho had said anything riho has not tweeted since uh new year's eve um but let me Grab Emmy's tweet for you. Nope, not not that one. Time for Emmy Sakura to have another title match. Hashtag AEW Women's Champion is coming home with me this time. Hashtag Choco Pro. Okay, so I 
uh, immediately started fantasy booking in the Discord last night that they should just do either uh, Choco Pro or Tokyo Joshi Pro or both. Like they should just film the matches over there. Put they should they should put them on Dynamite, but they're going to put them on Dark or or YouTube. Uh, but yeah, you just got like easy ways to make content. That's great. Yeah, I mean that's I think the logical thing. You know, half their half their talent is in TJPW, the the women's talent that they've used. Maybe not half. Um, I guess just Yuka, right? Yeah, Shoko. Yeah. Um, Nakajima, yeah. All oh, right, and Shoko, yeah. Uh, and then you've got Riho, who's in between promotions, but would fall in line with Emmy and Choco Pro or Gato Move or whatever. Um, you know, May Saruga's between Choco Pro and TJPW at this point, so make you know easy, easy to find. I don't know what you're saying. Oh, I don't know what you're saying. No, you're right. Completely I, I, I got confused. Um, I don't know why I said that. The two different oh, very, people clearly. Very embarrassing, honestly, for you to have thought uh, those people were even similar. They're going to come after me for unmasking May Saint Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It, it, it's something that like the big question for a, a while is like, all right, everything with Hikaru Shida has kind of just been coasting i guess in a lot of ways like even like the abaddon feud was very coasting but hey having a full tournament to decide a contender we saw how well that went with the men's division so like i think that this is something that also for someone like penelope ford who the is someone that has greatly improved whenever we've seen her gets her more matches and if the option is Britt baker we really have not seen a lot of Britt baker in the ring since she returned for her ACL was it an ACL tear or was it like an MCL. It was like her knee issue. So, you know, it's a, I think it's a real solid idea. And at the very least you could have, I'm interested to see like out of like the North American uh, half and then like the Japanese half, someone, if this is what's happening, someone has to fly over for that. And I think that that's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I am kind of assuming that they, you know, now can get Riho back into the country or whatever. Although Biden did just add a uh, quarantine for people coming from overseas, a mandatory quarantine, I guess. But that is a good way to be like, okay, Riho's coming back. Let's like heat her up instead of just having her come out of the blue and show up on television and be like, oh, well, all you have to do is ask for a title shot. So I'm going to wrestle Hikaru Shida on the next specially themed Dynamite. It's like, no, let's actually remind people while she's really good and have her beat a bunch of random people on uh you know dark or whatever and then we can have her get a big number one's contenders match with somebody who's u.s based i mean rio would be here for lunch you know i mean that's as she is wont to do so you know it makes sense it's also interesting because uh i think there's like four i can think of four women they've used right japanese women emmy sakura I mean, not in, uh, well, yeah, Riho, Yuka Sakazaki, Shoko Nakajima. Oh, well, I guess Riho Mizunami. So there's five. Um, so that just means there has like three people, presumably, that we've never seen them use before. So that's exciting. Yeah. I mean, the other, they've used B Priestley, but I'm guessing they just politically, that's, they can't probably have her wrestling TJPW yeah. people for yeah. AEW uh, yeah. while she's in Japan. Um, so yeah, I, you know, my guess is it's going to be, uh, you know, whatever three TJPW talents. TJPW feels comfortable, you know, having lose in order to do this. Well, they they could book Aja Kong, who they've had before. She that'd, could do yeah, it. yeah, that'd be fine. Uh, I here are my three. Uh, Ooh. 
Makito because that's the obvious one and that's the one that has she has made a big deal about wanting to come to AEW and wanting to wrestle more in the states. Uh, May Saruga, I mean she uh, versions of May have have broached the Choco Pro uh, Gato move and Tokyo Joshi Pro divide, and then the number one person is the one person who could bridge the gap between the United States and Japan. She's an international princess. That is. Yuki Kamafuku. So that, that that's how I'd fill out the roster or the bracket if I had the choice. Yeah, I mean, with all the other discourse that's been going on, we could see a a new unit in AEW made up of John Moxley, Yuki Kamafuku, and Sammy Callahan. That would be, I mean, I would buy the shirt for sure. <laughs> uh, I I like where your head's at, Mike. I just fear, I don't even fear, it'll still be fun that Nate's onto something where it's like, it's gonna have to be people who can lose because right, yeah, right, yeah. That is Riho's probably gonna win the whole thing, or you know, win the mm-hmm. whole Japanese side. So. Right, yeah. Yuki would be like, except that she has a title is probably the probably the problem. That's that's tough. Even Maki, it's like, well, do you really want her to lose to whoever? I mean, that's like I would, you know, maybe Maki works because they want to same thing get the AW audience introduced to her so that they can bring her back down the line or whatever. You know, maybe that's worth TJPW saying, oh, she can lose in our semifinals to you know somebody else that we use maybe that's doable but yeah yeah well i gotta say i'm intrigued it's the most uh interest i've had in the aw women's division in a long time so pretty exciting and then uh the main event jericho and mjf defeated sammy hager and santana and ortiz mjf rolled up sammy after sammy had mjf up for the gth and uh used him to knock wardlow off the apron uh yeah that was the finish yeah i i I was just you know you've got like a (laughs) i guess ostensibly heel triple threat tag match which is goofy to start with in a main event uh and i just you know got into my head worked myself saying uh santana ortiz ortiz need to win this uh because they've been minimized in this unit and this promotion really after you know we had them as the best tag team of 2019 and then they just lose a lot now uh, and they lost again here. So I was like, oh, bummer. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I can hope for, you know, is uh, that it plays into, yeah, this Sammy MJF story. So we'll see. Um, if you're the opposite of bummed about the show, you should head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. Get yourself a subscription. We have three subscription tiers. The middle tier, the $5 one gets you all the audio that we do and our massive backlog of audio most of it evergreen so check that out uh this week basically we try to do a weekly show this week on monday uh into the cody verse nate and cara from twitter talking about impacts hard to kill uh that i'm sure was excellent can't say i've listened oh, to it's it great i will it, it was a great time especially uh, with all the ethan page ethan page this course yeah, it was great to hear. I refuse to watch Ethan Page versus Karate Man, so I'm glad that other people have and that they had what I assume are the correct opinions about it because I refuse to see it. So I'll just repeat whatever both Nate and Car said about it. We also did a Cubs fans' favorite show on our Patreon, AW Light, where we break down Dark in extensive detail. We preview that week's Dynamite, talk about anything else that's going on, and Nate, of course, uh, gives us recaps for uh, BTE and if there's any other big uh, vlog content. And on Friday, uh, 
I think Mike is promising an episode uh, talking about the Go Big Show. Yeah, it, I, I watch the Go Big Show. It's my good time chamboree. I talk about it. I get very angry about the amount of archers we've had, Aaron. They've already had, on the first two episodes, they've had different archer tricks. And I've seen a preview, and I think there's another archer on tonight's episode. And that just infuriates me. Like, it, it's decreasing returns. We did have the first person that I think AEW does need to sign immediately. His name is Tolga. He is Mongolian strongman. And he did a carousel using himself as a pivot with a 200-pound caper that had Jennifer Nettles and Rosario Dawson on it. And I think that he does, he's awesome. And I think that we need to see that Tolga's all elite. All right. So, you know, this week, three shows on our on our Patreon. Uh, we do a nice mix of wrestling and, and non-wrestling, AW, non-AW stuff. Next week for our weekly show, uh, this is not in the can yet, but I am hoping that all goes down. Uh, I'm starting a new series where I talk about music. It's going to be called Mixtape Club. The idea being put together, uh, you know, I mean, now it's just a playlist. Put together a playlist uh, about something specific. So Case and I are going to talk about Tough Guy Hardcore. I'm sure that's very interesting to to a lot of our <laughs> listeners. I, I mean, I'm excited for it. I mean, I, I both of us have done Case's music podcast, art school yeah. albums, and yeah, for someone of his age, his music knowledge is quite intimidating. Oh, it's insane. Uh, so it's going to be fun. And also you'll get, I promise you, some weird AB lore uh, if you listen to this show. So there's something. And Case is always fun to talk to. Uh, if you're going to join, please also join our Discord. Come chat with us. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, you can do that at patreon.com slash everything elite. Next week on Dynamite, a big card already announced, MJF and Chris Jericho versus the Varsity Blondes. Eddie Kingston versus Lance Archer. Uh, Britt Baker versus Shauna. Cody is going to respond to Shaq. I'm not sure to what. Uh, Dax Harwood versus Jungle Boy. And the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers versus Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds. I I think it's going to be interesting. You know I mean? It's the last week for Beach Break. And uh, Dax, Har- uh, Dax is just, like, that's just a bizarre storyline to me. Uh Kingston versus Archer is really interesting. Like, I think there's a lot of stuff on the show that could be pretty interesting. And, you know, we'll be five weeks away from Revolution, so they're going to be start building some things. And that build will continue on to next week. Uh, do you think the, the Go Big show, you think what's going to happen is that Lance Archer is going to show up? You think that's the payoff? I mean, he does go big. I mean, he is a big person. <laughs> so I, I, I think that his power tower, which is how they rate things on the Go Big show, I think at least both... Uh, uh, Snoop Dogg and Jennifer Nettles would be suitably impressed, especially if he throws people like he did in that backstage segment. I think that that could go pretty well. All right. Well, that is going to be uh, on Dynamite next week. Mike and I will preview that on Light over on the Patreon, so go check that out. Uh, but I think that's everything, unless you have anything else you want to talk about. No, no. I mean, we've already made jokes about uh, librarian warlords. We should probably get out of here before we get in more trouble. Probably so. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. We'll do the rest of our Liberian Warlord content there. Uh, I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Give us a five star rating and a review if you use the Apple Podcast app. Go to Buy Bookie and use the promo code Elite. And of course, subscribe at patreon.com slash everything elite. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. <laughs>